If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is uh, Brian Mowry, the lead pastor here, and uh, so glad you're with us. I just have to throw, uh, say a couple quick things before I get into it. Just, I would, the, the joint service is just going to be like one of the, the best services of the year, and you please, please uh, do yourself a favor and, and don't miss that for sure. Um, I think they did the whole camera thing because of me. I kept going back and saying, hey, could you retake that, retake that? And uh, they showed it to me and they're like, this is as good as it's going to get, Brian. <laughs> You're just going to have to deal with the fact that you look this way. Um, the last thing is, you, you, this may not, how many here live in, in, uh, in Southampton neighborhood, kind of the 6309? You, you woke up, didn't have water? No water? You're wearing deodorant though, right? So we, uh, no, that's not why I said that. The... Um, we, did, we didn't have water here. Now we're, we have, I guess the, the, the building has a little bit of water, right? Is that right? Has a little bit of water. It's, it's getting better. Um, one thing that I, I've learned just kind of in my, in my walk with, with Jesus is that sometimes he, he'll, he'll take me through something uh, to make me mindful of, of other people. Uh, so sometimes like when I, so when I experience hunger, I, I want to spend some time thinking and, and praying and, uh, about those who are hungry more often than me. Uh, those, uh, if it's about pain, I want to pray for those who are hurting. If I'm sick, I want to pray for those who are sick. It's just something. And so in the, atten- the intensity of my whining um, means that I-, I want to take that even more seriously because just this is something that I've done. And so when, when we woke up this morning and Dylan gives me a call, it's like, hey, the, the building has no water. Like nobody's going to be able to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's Easter morning. It's like, this is the morning that we're not going to have any water. Are you serious? And I started whining and getting really irritated. And I was just like, man, okay, there are people in this world who, who rarely have water. Like, this is going to get fixed. I can go buy some water. I can, I can do something else. Um, there's flies in here. And, um, um, and so what I was like, man, I want to... I wanna, I want to do something for those more. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to give some money uh, overseas to, to help those who have very little access to good water. We're going to give some money this morning, okay? And here's how we're going to do it. If you, are a, this is, if you are a guest and you've never filled out one of these cards before and you turn this in, we'll give $100 toward that cause. 
Now, this is just, this is just an excuse. We want to give the money anyway, but just like this will help us come up with a number, all right? So if, you've, if you're new with us and you fill this out, uh, we're, we're going to give $100. I've got a friend in the Ukraine, uh, some, you know, some pastors over there, and we've helped them before. We've given money to them before. If you're new, you may not know this, but we've given money to them before to help dig wells, to not only give water to the people. In their, it's a war-torn area. You don't hear about it in the news, but it's there. Uh, it's a war-torn area, and we've given them money to dig wells, and not only given water for the people in these churches, but actually the towns that they serve. So we've been able to help give water to entire towns. So we're going to give them some more money, and if you turn in that card, we'll throw in a hundred bucks a card. So if you think that's a good thing to do, then you can vote on that. Um, so this morning, though, we're going to talk uh, from uh, Revelation 21, that scripture was read, and if you, you might have noticed a theme uh, as that verse is being read. And the theme was newness. The theme is newness. And, and you and I have a fascination for what is new, especially if you're American. I realize maybe not everyone here is an American, but if you are an American, we in particular, we, we have a fascination with what is new. The latest and the greatest, the upgrade, you know, out with the old, in with the new, new hairstyles, new clothes, new cars, newly remodeled kitchens and bathrooms. And, you know, we love the new, new technology. It's a lot of pressure because you can feel kind of out of it. Like, like I feel a little bit antiquated, a little bit old fashioned that I have an iPhone 7. You know, I mean, it's just like, I'm so old school. Like I, I still have an iPhone 7. And so that's, you know, my car, you know, I'm not gonna tell you what year it is, but it, it has a cigarette lighter, all right? You know, like, <laughs> Like if you're younger, they used, to, they used to build cars that you could create a fire in, you know, so you could smoke. My kids are like playing with them like, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a cigarette lighter in this car. What is that? Um, but if, if you're not careful, this can suck you in. It, and it often does. I mean, if someone from another planet was to observe how we live, they may come up with the conclusion that you and I need new stuff in order to survive. Like, they'll look at, they're like, man, these people are so fascinating. They have, cl- they have closets full of perfectly good clothes, but then they get on their phone and they push a button and a guy in a brown truck shows up and gives them a whole new wardrobe. They must need new stuff in order to survive. They've got a car that works, but they want a new car. They got a TV that works, but they want a new one. They've got, you know, a new phone and, uh, you know, every nine to 15 months, they'll stand in a really long line to get a brand new phone, even though the other phone works just fine. Now, I think part of that fascination that you and I have is a result of a deep need for eternity, right? Like you and I, we have this deep need for eternity, and so it causes us to be fascinated with something new uh, because you and I sense that we are fading away. We see ourselves aging. We see ourselves sagging. We see ourselves getting wrinkly. We see ourselves decaying, uh, but we want to stay new. And so it, it drives us for the new, and we'll go at great lengths to keep us new. Like we'll go on diets, we'll exercise, we will inject bacteria into our face to help us stay new. But we know ultimately our newness falls short. Eventually, decay will catch up. I mean, I don't care how much kale you eat. The death rate has been, always will be, hover around about one per person, all right? Like, so I don't, like, I don't know what the stats that you read are, but the stats that I read, it's about one per person. And uh, we know that in our heads, and it's funny, but the reality is we don't, we don't live like that's true. We don't live like that's true. Uh, the Bible is going to point out 
that creation itself is subject to futility. Uh, what that means is this, is, and, and with that, how that plays out in our lives is we try for newness, we try to, to but our, it's just futile. So we are on this quest for newness, you and I. Like we have this deep need for what is new. We are on this quest for newness. Now here's the good news of Easter is that Christ came to defeat that thing that gets in the way of our newness. Because check out what this text says Jesus is doing. It says, and I just underlined it, made it yellow and bold just so you didn't miss it. Behold, this is Jesus saying, behold, I am making all things new. Now, this may come as a shock to you if you're an American, but the Bible wasn't originally written in English, right? And so there's a Greek word in there for new. There's two Greek words that could be used for new. One is a word called neos, which means like the latest and greatness. It's newness in relationship to time. There's another word for new, kainos, uh, which is like a new category. It's something completely new that the world has never seen before. And the new there is not neos, it's kainos. And what it's saying is like, there's a newness that I wanna bring to you that the world has never seen before. Because when you get something new today, tomorrow, is it still new? No, it is not. But the kind of newness that Jesus is talking about, it stays new. In fact, it doesn't just stay new. It just keeps on getting newer, newer, newer. He's making all things new. It's not just he's making all things new. He's, he's bookending this statement with assurance. So let's look at that first part. It says, he who sits on the throne says this. The throne sitter says he is making all things new. The one who created the universe, the one who sustains the universe, that one, the throne, he's making all things new. So, but then again, he says that on the end, he says, write this down for these things are trustworthy and true. He's sandwiching the statement to say, I want you to have confidence in this. I want you to have confidence that I am making all things new because you and I might be tempted to think that talking about resurrection, talking about the hope that is to come, it's just a once a year sentimental thing, we, you know, fairy tale thing that we do. But no, this is something that he wants us to have assurance over. He is making all things new. And not and this experience of newness, this experience of his resurrection power, isn't just something that we experience by association, vicariously, you know? Like we're all just kind of clapping Jesus on. Yeah, it's great for him. He resurrected. But he's talking about something real that happens to us. So the blues won last night, right? Yeah, exactly. So you, you can get excited about something. And so we, uh, <laughs> mental note. So we, so I watched that game and I was enjoying the victory vicariously by associate, because I didn't hit one puck into the net. I didn't stop any goals. But by association, you know, we won the game. I didn't do anything. I just experience it vicariously. And sometimes we take that into our ethic when it comes to our, when it comes into our relationship with Jesus. And so like, we just, Jesus did this and Jesus, but it's the, the beauty and the wonder of Easter isn't that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the fact because he did this, we can experience too. So, so, so the Bible say things like this about Jesus, that he is the first fruits, which means he is the first installment of many more to come. Which means if you trust in him, it's not just that he did it, but it, it's going to happen to us either. Because like, I mean, I'm like excited for Jesus and everything, but what I'm really interested in is my resurrection. 
my newness of life. And Jesus is making all things new. And there's three specific things I want to point out. And then at the end of this, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure that everyone leaves here today with full assurance that they have this newness of life. You know, some of us woke up this morning and we didn't have water. You may wake up tomorrow and not have life. But here's what you can be sure of. You can be sure of that you have this newness of life. That even though you have a physical death, death does not have its sting anymore as we were singing, but we just keep on living with him forever. So what are the three things that he's making new? Well, verse four says he's making you or I new. It says he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain for the former things have passed away. Now for that verse to be true, he's going to have to do something about my body because it says there's going to be no more pain, but my body has pain. It's going to say that there's going to be no more mourning, but my body mourns. It cries. It's going to die. He's got to do something with this body. Now, some would say, well, you know, you just get rid of the body. And, and, and some people say that, like we, we uh, when this life is over, we leave our, our bodies and we just kind of whisk away to some mysterious place where there are no dimensions and they're just voices and holograms and harps and, you know, whatever, just kind of that thing. And, but the Bible, but some people think that's going to happen, you know, cartoons, you see a lot of cartoons that kind of depict that that's the way it's going to be, but the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that we'll be disembodied spirits, spirits but that you and I will have glorious bodies. I mean, like you see the magazines and you see the, like better than that, like we're going to have transformed, glorious bodies. There's going to be hugging in heaven. There's going to be high-fiving in heaven. There's going to be things to do, stuff to do. I mean, when you read about Jesus, when he, so he died, right? And so he was buried and he rose to new life. And then he spent some time here on earth, 40 days. So he spent 40 days in his resurrected body. Now, one of the most profound verses in the Bible, you may not think it's profound when you hear, but it's very profound. And this is it. It says that he ate fish. He wasn't floating six inches off the ground. He ate fish. He had a, his resurrected body was a, he, had a, he had, still had a body in other words. But it was, a, it was a, no kale, by the way, fit, just fit, you're right. Maybe as a, like a garnish, but not, you don't eat that. <laughs> Philippians 3 says this, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So when you become a Christian, you, you cease to primarily be an American. You, you cease to primarily be Mexican, Asian. You are a citizen of heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Check this out. Who will transform our lowly body. Anybody have a lowly body in here today? I do. To be like his glorious body. There aren't going to be disembodied spirits floating around, playing harps. Be eating fish. <laughs> Glorious bot, no exercise, just eating fish. It just. That's how bad my body is. That's, that's not how you pose when you, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know how to do it. It's just that bad. In fact, that hurts. That's as far as I can move my arms. I can't go any higher. But we'll have, that'll be pain free. 
That'll be, I mean, we'll just, it'll be amazing. They won't have pain, disease, deaths, nothing, none of that. No aches and pains. Be amazing. And we'll just be, our, I mean, even not just our bodies, but our souls, and we won't have anything to hide. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be liberating to live? Like, you don't have to, like, pretend that you're somebody that you're not. You know, that can be amazing. We'll be pure. We'll have glory. Anybody want that new body? Who here wants that new body? I want to make sure, I want to make sure, and I hope that you do too, I want to make sure that you have absolute assurance that you will, and not just for a day or two days or 30 days, however long your discipline will last, but for eternity. So the second thing he's making new is creation. Look at verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. Now, here again, this isn't like the, the world going away and then some mystical place going whisk away. It's, it, the prophetic hope all throughout the Bible is that this world is going to be made new. We're going to be made new, and the world is going to be made new. That's why it says things like the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. There's going to be a lion, there's going to be a lamb. It says that uh, babies are going to play with a viper, right? There's no vipers in our nursery. We're not trying to pretend. We know, what, we know that this world is futile and we're not there yet. But apparently in heaven, babies are going to play with vipers, and it's going to be okay. And this world is going to be our home. It's going to be a, a new world. It's going to be a kind of world, it's going to be a kind of world where heaven is going to completely saturate earth, right? Isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? He doesn't say, you know, if you know the Lord's prayer, Father in our heaven, I will be thy name, thy kingdom, thy kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. So we don't pray, God, he didn't say, hey, pray that you'll get out of earth and escape to heaven. He said, pray that, pray that heaven comes to earth. You see, there's, there's, there's something that confuses people, and it may have confused you. When, when you mix religious ideology with the God of the Bible and Christianity, you get kind of a messed up, confusing deal. Because, see, religion says this. Religion says that you need to do some stuff in order to get to God. You've got some things to do. You've got, you've got some acts to clean up. You've got to be different. You've got to do different. And so religion is man's attempt to get up to God. But the wonder of Christianity and Jesus is that God comes to earth. He is the God who came down. Right? Because we couldn't, we can never get there. I love the, the, the longest psalm book of, in the Bible, Psalm 19. I don't even know how many verses are, but there's a lot of them. And the very last verse of the longest book in the Bible, David just says this. He, he says, I am a lost sheep. Come find me. That's a great awareness of, of where you're at. I'm lost. Come find me. And that's what God does. He comes to us and earth will come to us. In fact, verse two says, I saw so a, a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Like this is coming down. This world we now live in is, is something's happening to it where it's, it, it's, it's groaning, Romans 8 talks about. It talks about like how it groans like a woman in childbirth, like something's giving birth to new. Like we will be redeemed, the earth will be redeemed, and, and something is going to give birth. This new creation is gonna happen. We can live in this redeemed earth uh, you know, sometimes I hear young people say like, oh, I got to hurry up before I, you know, have kids. I got to go 
snow ski or to travel or see stuff before I, you know, man, you have eternity to see stuff. You have eternity to see the best sights and the best experiences. It's amazing what heaven is. And if you want that opportunity, if you want to know that you know that you know that you're going to live in this new redeemed earth, you could be sure today. But the last thing before we get to that point, so we, uh, a new you, uh, a, new, uh, a new earth, and then finally a new relationship with God. It says in verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling, of, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, I've, when I've read that, I've always thought like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Isn't God already with us? Didn't Jesus say, I will be with you until the end of the age? I will never leave you or forsake you? He did say that. So what does it mean when it says, I will be you in the future, as you know, future tense? What is he saying, like, I will be with if he's already with us? Well, it's a, there's this paradox going on in 2 Corinthians 5, hints at what he's talking about here. It says in, in that verse, it says, we know that while we are at home in the body, so while we're here, we are away from the Lord. Well, how does that work? Well, there's a second part of that verse um, that gets quoted a lot, detached from that verse, which is this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So how do we experience this relationship with God? We experience this relationship with God by faith, not by sight. So the relationship we have is not, you know, like I physically can see him. He because if you're a parent, like my kids ask that question, right? And they'll, they'll say, they'll, you know, we'll sit at the bed. It's like, hey, you know, daddy, you say that we can, I can have a relationship with Jesus, but I can't see him. Why can't I see him? What you don't want to say is like, oh, you'll get over that. Like, don't, you know, you, you'll get over that. Like, you know, it's, just, it's just the way it is. And one day, you know, no, I want, I want to cultivate in my kids this desire to see him physically. Because the Bible says that we will see him physically. And, and that's a good thing to want to see the Lord. Like, 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 like if this is, the, this is all it is to our relationship with God, I want more than this. And Paul talked about that. I, he wanted more. I, and the good news is that we will have more. We will, we will uh, in fact, if you turn uh, your Bibles one page over, Revelation 22, 4 says that they, they or us will see his face and the night will be no more. We'll see him. We'll have a face-to-face relationship with him. Now, we do have by the Spirit, like it says that we have a, uh, a deposit or a first installment. We have a, a taste of what that relationship was like by faith. We can experience a little bit of what that means, but there'll be a day where we won't have this relationship by faith. We'll have this relationship by sight. Now, in this life, it's by faith, not by sight. But in the life to come, it won't be by faith. It will be by sight. We'll have a walking, talking, physical, face-to-face relationship. You see, just like it was in Eden, that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. It will be like that. He's going to renew you. He's going to renew this earth, and he's going to renew. We're going to have this amazing relationship with him. Now, how can you have this newness? How can this newness be true for you? Well, there's two things in the last verse that was read um, Revelation 21.6, he says, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, 
the beginning and the end. Here it is. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. So two things. The keys for you being confident that this newness is yours. One is thirst. And the other one is that it comes without payment. Now, the writer of Revelation is this guy named John. And he also wrote three letters in the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He also wrote the Gospel of John. In the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, he has this encounter, what is known as a Samaritan woman. He meets her at this well at high noon. And um, he, she comes along and asks Jesus for physical water, right? And uh, he says to her, he says, if you, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who offers it to you, you would ask for living water. So there's this water that he was talking about that he is offering, talking about salvation, talking about thirst. And so this is what's going on here. And so the, in order to receive this gift, you have to be thirsty. You have, this is something that you want. And what, in this thirst that's being talked about is kind of how we opened um, uh, the message this morning, which is the fact that we have this deep need for newness. Like we have this deep need for eternity. There's something in us that wants something more than we experience, but we can't quite taste it. We can't quite experience it. It's, it we keep trying, but we can't quite get there. It's why we spend it's why we give ourselves to relationship. It's we, you know, we try to give ourselves to other things. We're trying to experience something. It's why when we go to a funeral, even though death is so common, it is so common, it is so common, but every time you go to a funeral, whether you know the person or not, there's something in you that's like, this isn't the way it should be. This isn't the way it should be. There's something deep inside of you, even though that it's natural, that we die. There's something deep inside of you that says it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. That is a thirst inside of you for something more. There's a thirst inside. So one of the ways, so the first thing that you have to do is that you have to have the emotional and spiritual and mental dexterity to realize that this thing that's happening in me is a thirst for something more. And the without Payment is really important because on one hand, it's like, well, cool, it's free, right? I like free stuff. But in saying that, it's also an attack on your pride because it means that you can't get it on your own. And so what, what it's saying is like, you've got this thirst and longing for something more and you'll never get it on your own. So the way that you experience this is you realize you have a thirst for something more and you'll never get it on your own. It comes because of what he did on the cross. He died for your sins. He nailed them to the cross. He was buried according to scriptures and he rose on the third day so that you could experience this newness of life. And what it takes, what it takes, what it takes is you understanding that, yes, you're right. There is this thirst in me. There is this desire to tap into what is eternal. There is this thirst and desire in me for something new. And I now realize that I can't earn it. I can't get it on my own. I need to receive it as a gift. And the good news is, is he's already paid the price 
for you to receive it. You just have to have the humility to say that's where I'm at. And so in a minute, I'm going to lead you through a prayer, but let me just say the prayer isn't it. I mean, that's, it's not some kind of Harry Potter hocus pocus thing that you do. And if you, you know, like if you do the, like a padlock, if you get the lock just right, you can, no, it's, the prayer is just, uh, it, it's just expressing uh, something that's already happened in your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you, you will be saved. It's, it's expressing that thirst and it's expressing that it, you can't, Get that thirst quenched on your own. You need someone to give it to you. So why don't we stand? The band can come up. Um, I want to. Um, I want to ask you to. Uh, if, if we can all do this, if we can all um, close our eyes, because I want to create a private moment with you and God. You know, how do you create a private moment with a few hundred people in a room? The best the church can come up with is close your eyes. So there's nothing spiritual about closing your eyes. It's just trying to create a private moment with you and God. And if you're not sure, like if you don't know, Man, if I wake up tomorrow and this, my life is gone, do I know that I have this newness? Do I know that I know that I know that I have this newness? I have a, I'm going to have a new body, a new me, inside and out. I'm going to be in this new world. And I'm going to have this face-to-face relationship with the throne sitter. If you don't know, if you're not sure, you can be sure. We don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. It's it's a theory. I have a guess, but I don't know. But you can know this. You can know this. John, in his first letter, he says, I write these things so that you would know. You can know. You're not going to know anything else, but you can know this. If If you don't know, Here's how you know. You confess to God that you have a need that you cannot satisfy in and of yourself and you need him to give it to you and he wants to give it to you. He died to give it to you. He paid the price with his own blood to give it to you. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna gonna pray and, and, and if, if this is where you're at, I just want to give you some language to, to confess and declare to God where you're at. So if that's you, just you can repeat this prayer in your heart. God, I just thank you for this newness. Thank you that you make all things new through your death and resurrection. God, I realize I have a need inside of me that I can't fulfill. I want to turn from trying. I want to stop trying to fulfill it. And I want to turn to you and receive this gift from you. Thank you for this gift. God, would you help me 
to now live this life for you. Will you give me your spirit to help me live this life for you?